Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the season opener is in the books for the Utes and the Wildcats. As expected, Utah wins. 40 to 17 the final. They definitely left points on the field. Both teams did. Dropping touchdown passes, Weber State once, Utah twice. Kicking field goals instead, in the case of the Utes, missing an extra point. There was a lot of stuff that could have happened differently. But in the end, Utah gets the win, Weber State gets the loss, and no one will remember a lot of this later on because there are much bigger games to be played in conference going forward. You'll hear from Kyle Whittingham, his take on what went wrong and what needs to be cleaned up before the BYU game. That's coming up in our next segment. Right now, though, we are going to hear from BYU Offensive Coordinator Aaron Roderick. Hey, Rod. Talking about the Cougars as they prepare for the University of Arizona. Here's A-Rod. Wanted to ask about getting ready for Arizona. I just asked Peeney about this, but it's an interesting challenge when you're facing a team that only played a few games last year, new staff, new approach, lots of transfers. Talk about that challenge that you face as you're, you're trying to prep to see what this defense is going to do when, when it is a, a very different team than, than maybe it was last year or the year before. Yeah, it's a good point. It's, it's a huge challenge and it's honestly, it's a big advantage to them in this game. Um, you know, they, they, uh, they know a lot more about us than we know about them. And so, um, you know, we've been, we've been practicing and trying to learn everything we can about coach Brown's defense, but, um, you know, it, there's, there's a lot to it and he's got a lot of, a lot of different things, a lot of different options to him schematically that he can go to depending on who he thinks his best players are. And so it's a guessing game for us knowing, you know, trying to guess what they're going to do. And, um, it, it does present a challenge for sure. And, and I, you know, you just have to say that's that's one advantage they have in this game is knowing more about us than we know about them. The reputation he has is loving the blitz and bringing a lot of pressure, but that also leaves openings and opportunities. Do you like facing teams that are that are high pressure like that? Uh, I think, you know, it, it's just it's just football. You know, every every week is a new challenge. I, I do know that these guys are excellent coaches. Uh, their whole defensive staff are veteran guys that um, have, you know, extensive college and NFL experience. And, and we know that they, they have some good players returning and have added a lot of good players as well. So they definitely, definitely have our respect. Okay, let's go Mitch and then Dana. Yeah, Coach, you, you've worked close with Kalani over the years. Um, gets that contract extension through 2025. What's maybe the most impactful thing that, that Kalani is currently doing in, in, in the program that maybe the public doesn't see on a daily basis that you see in the program does? I just, he's just a 100% genuine and consistent human being. I mean, Kalani, Kalani, he wears his heart on his sleeve. He loves everybody in this program. And, uh, you know, Kalani's the guy that, the guy, you know, the guy that's vacuuming the hallway at 10 o'clock at night, you know, Kalani knows that guy's name and asks him about how his family's doing. And, and right down to the, right down to the, you know, he treats the most recent walk-on guy the same way he treats Zach Wilson. I mean, he's just, that's just who Kalani is. And um, I love, love him and love working for him. And you began working with him in 2018 and the first game that that year was was against Arizona, obviously different Arizona program uh, three years ago. A lot has changed then. But uh, maybe what are your memories, if, if any, from that game that you're first on the BYU staff and maybe just how the offense has evolved over these three years for you, for your team uh, in these last couple of years since that game? 
Well, yeah, I mean, as far as Arizona goes, there's really no, no correlation at all. It's totally different staff and players. I mean, there, there, I think there is a couple of players still remaining from that team. A few, I, I, one defensive back in particular, I remember this, I still see on the roster, but um, not a lot to compare to in that, in that game. Um, but as far as our offense goes, yeah, we're a very, very different team now than we were then. You know, that first year as a staff, it was uh, a situation where offensively we were just trying to, um, you know, take care of the football, stay in the game, and get to the fourth quarter with a chance to win. And that was, that was pretty much our strategy most of that season. And later in the year, we, when Zach started playing pretty well, we kind of opened it up a little more. But early in the year, it was let's, let's not beat ourselves. And, uh, and then that's been a process. But the last couple of years, we've evolved to try to be a little bit more aggressive and throw the ball down the field a little more. And, and um, so, you know, now this year, whole new challenge. It's a whole new challenge, new season. And it starts with this game against Arizona. Hey, Coach, um, any change you've noticed in Jaron this last uh, week or so since he was officially named the starter? Is he kind of acting even more of a leader than he was before, have more command of the offense, or, um, or is he just the same old Jaron? Yeah, Jaron's a really steady, consistent guy. So I, I haven't seen a big difference in him, but that's, that's a good thing because he was already carrying himself like, like a leader and like, like he expected to be the starter. And uh, if there's been any change at all, I would just say that his teammates now, you can see their confidence in him, that they know he's going to be taking that first snap. And I think they're excited to go out and play with him. Uh, Jared and then Mitch. Aaron, what's it like as a coordinator, as you prepare for, for game one, to look around and see so many guys that have already proven themselves on the field in one way or another, but virtually your entire offense has, has, has had experience and, and had moments where they've really shown what they can do. That's gotta be pretty nice when you're the coordinator. Yeah, we, we have some good players that have played in big games and um, that is it is it is comforting to know that we have some experienced players uh, because of the fact that we don't know a lot about what we're going to get in this game. Uh, so there's a lot of a lot of unpredictability in this situation. So we're going to have to we're going to need some of our more experienced players to to uh, step up and and you know there's going to be some information gathering early in this game. You know, trying to figure out what their plan of attack is and and who their best players are. I mean, there's a lot of question marks for us that we don't know about. And so I'm hoping that our experienced players kind of help us, uh, you know, ride that, ride out that storm or whatever, if, if there is one. And so, um, but yeah, it's, it's nice to have some guys that have played football and then, but then on the other hand, you know, I keep reminding our players that, you know, this is anything you've done in the past doesn't, doesn't count now. I mean, it's the only thing that counts is this game. And so uh, I do have a lot of confidence in those guys because they, because of our experience level, but um we got to go prove it again. That's, that's what's fun about football. You got to prove it every week. But I wanted to drill down just really quick on the O line, because, you know, if you're playing a pressure defense, a lot is on those guys and their communication and everything. Do you see them being ready? Yeah, we have a good offensive line and I keep, I don't know. I, I just keep hearing, getting a lot of questions about our depth there and stuff. And I don't really get it because a lot of those guys have played a lot of football and, uh, you know, even the ones, a couple of the ones that supposedly, that I guess maybe weren't listed as starters last year have played starter snaps 
for two years, not just one year. And so there's, there's a, this, this good group. And I have a lot of confidence. Those guys are going to play well. Coach, you mentioned, you know, there's going to be some questions that you got to information you got to gather from Arizona in that game early on. I'm curious for, for your offense, was there question marks that you had going into training camp that you feel in the past month have been answered now that game week is here? Yeah, a lot of them, but I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what they are, but yeah, <laughs> um, sure. That's fall camp. You know, you're trying to figure out who's the next guy up at this position or who's going to win this position battle. Uh, you know, can we count on this guy? Can we use this guy in different ways than we have in the past? You know, there's lots of things like that that you try to try to figure out in your fall camp. And, and, uh, but, um, so yeah, I, I would say, yes, we know more about our team right now and we've answered a lot of questions. Um, and now, but now, you know, again, you got to go prove it on the field. So I, I think I know more, but it remains to be seen in a real game. I wanted to ask you too about Dallin Holker. I know you mentioned him earlier in the week on, on that coordinator's corner show, but, um, he's single digit body fat. I mean, have, have you ever seen a return missionary come back and, and look like a guy that's ready to, to compete in, in week one and, and provide valuable, uh, playing time for you guys right away? No, it doesn't happen very often. You know, usually, usually you gotta be, and we, we, you know, we are being careful with him too, honestly. Um, you know, he's, even though he is in great shape, we're being smart with his reps because we've had just experience with this, that, you know, uh, guys that are fresh off a mission, there's a good chance they get injured. And, um, so we're, be, we've been smart with his reps. We're managing his load. We've got some other good tight ends. So, um, but yeah, he's an impressive guy. There's BYU's offensive coordinator, Aaron Roderick. When we come back, we'll hear from Kyle Whittingham. We'll also hear from Charlie Brewer, the Utes quarterback, Tavion Thomas, who may have won the running back job. Uh, Also, Devin Lloyd, phenomenal pick. And Clark Phillips showing up with some big plays as well. That's all coming up next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. The Cougars hit the road for their season opener in Las Vegas to square off against Arizona. Catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 7.30, followed by the postgame show immediately after the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to hear from the Utes after their 40-17 to win over Weber State. We're going to start with the players. Quarterback Charlie Brewer, 19 of 27, completed about 70% of his passes, 233 yards. He did throw an interception, but it was on a Hail Mary at the end of the first half. Um, also, Tavion Thomas, who really looked good, ran for a couple of touchdowns. Devin Lloyd, great interception. Clark Phillips making some big plays. Those are the four players you'll hear from right now on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Charlie, how, how was the offense flowing? It seemed like you guys were getting some things going early, and then, uh, but there's also a couple of stalls when you guys got into the red zone. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it was good to get a win, but I definitely think that, you know, we need to improve in a lot of areas, you know, headed into next week, which I think we will. Um, you know, win's a win, we'll take it, um, but we definitely, you know, need to improve for sure. Davion, you obviously had a big day today, two touchdowns. You're starting to kind of separate yourself from everybody. How did it feel tonight just to really get into those D1, D1 reps? 
Uh, I feel like we did good as a team. Uh, I just, I was just so happy just to be out there uh, with my guys out there, um, just playing football, playing a game that I love. So I know we got a lot of work to do, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, with the lightning delay, what does that do to you guys? Obviously, you know, pregame, you're trying to get it cranked up. You play half a quarter, and then you guys have to stop for like an hour and a half. Um, as far as the energy goes, we just have to, as soon as we step on the field, we have to just ramp it back up. But it's more so just uh, finding a way to stay warm and keeping our bodies right. Um, you know, a lot of guys, including myself, you know, just dealing with some minor cramps and stuff like that. Just staying warm is the biggest issue. Yeah, what was it like to also have the Ty Jordan memorials and different things that way? I mean, how did that affect you guys and being able to see that? I thought that was amazing, and um, the reaction by his mother really was just a beautiful thing, and I think that speaks for itself. And you know, a credit to the university. You know, they are you know are amazing for you know setting that up. And you know, like I said, I think I thought it was beautiful. Charlie, where, where does this offense need to improve going into next week's game? Yeah, I just think we need to probably improve on finishing drives. Um, felt like we probably left at least. 14 points out there um, that we could have had. Um, and we just, you know, we need to watch the film and kind of dive into exactly what kind of what we need to fix. And, uh, you know, I, I know we will. So I, I like the path we're headed on. Clark, what was it like playing in front of a, in front of a packed house and crowd like this? Uh, a lot of y'all know it was my first time actually being in front of a packed house. And it was special. It was special. I think um, the energy was, you know, contagious. And you know we, we fed off of it. And we we kind of did our thing tonight. You guys you guys seem to have kept their their passing game at bay a little bit. And no one really went off. How did you feel like the uh, secondary performed? Uh, you know there's still things to improve, but I felt like we we held them in check, like you said, and we did our thing. Um, it's game one. There's going to be game one mistakes, and we look to build off of this game. Devin, obviously, they're FCS team, but Weber State's a pretty good team. How would you assess? their ability tonight against you guys? Uh, definitely a tough team, like you said, a very well-coached team as well. Um, they were very disciplined as far as um, their schematic um, plays and stuff like that. So, um, you know, credit goes to them. You know, they fought to the very end. Charlie, how, how comfortable were you tonight with the play calling? It seemed like Coach Ludwig opened things up and, and really kind of let you go to work. Yeah, I felt really good. Um, you know, like I said, I just, you know, feel like it starts with me. I feel like I could play a little bit better. Um, but... You know, I, I thought it was good. I thought it was a good start, you know, kind of a good starting point. And now we can, you know, kind of figure out exactly what we need to get better at. You obviously have that, that fumble in the second half. What, what was kind of your mentality after that and trying to come back and, and then be able to have that second touchdown? Uh, just to forget about the last play, uh, my team, they lifted me up. So it was pretty good to have them boys by my side telling me, like, to forget about the play. Just, you know, just keep running hard. Just keep doing your thing. So I, I feel like that helped. I helped out a lot. Yeah. In the locker room during that uh, rain delay, come right off that kickoff return. I, I imagine it was uh, not too pleasant to be in there. Man, I just love my team because we're super competitive. They jumped out on us, and shoot, we looked at each other. We didn't been in worse situations. I felt like and came back from us. That I was just a stumbling block. We were excited to attack. How long did did Wade yell at you guys for giving up that that kick return? <laughs> Man, hey. I mean, it was one play. You know, it was a very good play by them, but. Yeah, he wasn't really, you know, too like worried. Said, we've been in worse situations, so that was nothing. Charlie, where do, you, where do you think this offense can go? Obviously, saw a glimpse of it, but what, what do we, what can we see? Yeah, I feel like we can, you know, be really good in the running game as well as the passing game. Um, I feel like we we can be definitely an explosive offense, one of the top offenses, you know, in the Pac-12 in the country. So, um, you know, we got to keep improving to do that, but you know, I feel like we definitely can. 
Was it different to be able to now be with the youth, now you get the first game in and be able to do that? What, what was that difference like with, with that in Baylor? Yeah, no, it was good. It was good to finally get out here and, you know, play as a Utah Ute. I was really excited. Um, excited to, you know, be out here with these guys. We've been working really hard, so, you know, love these guys and was excited to get out there with them. You know, you've been through a handful of season opening season opening games now. Do you still get, like, the butterflies? Are there any nerves going into a first game, you know? Um, yeah, as far as, you know, just going out there, and it happens really before every game, but it's not anything too crazy. It's just, you know, the little butterflies, like right before, you know, you're about to, like as soon as the ball is kicked off, you know you're going to go on the field. and then. But you, at the end of the day, you know that your preparation will speak volumes with your play. And so it's nothing to you'd be scared of or anything, just, you know, more anxiety than, you know, just nervousness. Guy, well, the only guy in this thing is here that knows what the BYU rivalry is all about. What are you going to tell the team about this week? Did you say, what was that mean? The BYU rivalry. Oh. Yeah, you know what, if you've experienced it. Uh, what, what, uh, what are you going to tell your team about it? Um, that's, you know, it's up there with, you know, the best rivalries uh, in all of college football. I mean, and more than anything, it's, you know, about keeping the streak alive and really just understanding that the intensity needs to be upped because we don't lose to those guys. Um, it's plain and simple. Clark, did, did you see the ball pop off your helmet on, on Devin's pick? Yeah, I actually told him he stole my pick. But, <laughs> you know, I put my head down trying to make a, a big hit and he took the ball. So he did my job, if you would, you know, in the secondary. Charlie, you've got guys throughout the offseason that, you know, guys like Brent and Cole and then, you know, Theo and Ricky. Then you have guys. You have those guys that received a lot of praise for their play. And then you have guys like Dalton Kincaid and Solomon Enos that came up big tonight. What does that say about the offense? Yeah, I think we have a lot of talented guys. Like you said, you, the guys you just listed. Um, you know, and we'll, we'll do our best to, to spurt the ball to all those guys. You know, sometimes one or two guys may have a bigger night than the other guys, but... Uh, you know, I definitely think that's a really solid group of the guys you just listed. Devin, Weber State came into the game with a two-time FCS All-American running back. They ended up only getting 57 rushing yards. He was held to 17 yards. What did you guys do specifically run defense that really was effective against Weber State and containing Josh Davis? Yeah, um, like you said, he's a very great running back. He runs hard, and we just played assignment sound football at the end of the day. Um, Coach Galley had a great game plan, as usual, and it was really just on us to execute our assignment and be gap sound. And I think it all starts up front. The D-line did an incredible job, you know, getting knocked back and just uh, really setting the tone for the trenches. And then me and Nephi and really everybody who comes in, we just come in and make the play and, you know, fill our gap. Coach Witt has said that he wants to play, you know, a bunch of running backs here early and try to figure things out. With the way you played tonight, do you feel like you were in the bigger role and maybe some more carries next week? Uh, I just want to just keep taking day uh, day by day. You know, wherever happened, happened. We got pretty good running backs in the uh, room. Any any one of us can come in and do uh, do our job. So I'm just trying to you know work every day, work hard every day, and. No, well, my name, Kyle, just produced. There are the U players. Now here's the head coach, Kyle Whittingham. Kyle, what did you think of the way Charlie played tonight? It seemed like you and Coach Ludwig were trying to open things up a bit and really trying to let him operate. Yeah, I thought he did a good job. His numbers were good. Not great, but good. Um, he did throw the pick, but that's not really his pick. It was, you know, we decided to try to throw one up at the end of the first half. and. 
see if we uh, could come down with it. And so that really was not a, a bad throw. That was uh, what he was coached to do. But but I thought he was very poised in the pocket. Uh, did a nice job keeping his eyes downfield. Um, was accurate. It was close to 70%. I guess what's 19 to 27? That's just over close to 70. Anyway, right there. And uh, did a good job running the offense. So I thought he was positive. Yeah, we had a few drop passes that yeah, probably did touchdowns. But what, <laughs> yeah. what can you do there? Get better and catch them. I mean, I had a bunch of sh stuff <laughs> I wrote down here. I got tired of writing it, but the first quarter he let, let a kickoff return out for a touchdown. We drop a touchdown pass. We we have to burn a timeout on a field goal because we got one, ten guys out there. We got ten guys on offense for the play that uh, Yasmin ran the reverse. Uh, we dropped two more balls. Then we miss a PAT after a delay of game. We got to be more clock aware. So there, we got a whole laundry list of stuff to work on for this week. It'll keep us busy, and uh, as players and coaches, we got to be better next week. Guys carry the ball. Did uh, Tavion, Tavion Thomas kind of establish himself as maybe the back? Well, we'll see. Put the ball on the ground. You can't put the ball on the ground, and so that's that was the big downside of it. But uh, he did show you a taste and a, and a little bit of a glimpse of what he's capable of and what he's all about. So we'll look at the film uh, and grade it hard and and uh, come up with uh, a pecking order. It's not going to be. Or, 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 or this week, we're going to have a, a one, two, three, four, and we'll see what the film says. Are you able to, to really get a good idea of the offensive line play before you go back and watch film, or is that something you kind of have to wait for? You, you can get a feel for it, but not you can't see the details of it and, and why things are not happening at times or why, you know, what, what is happening at times. You, you, you know, I tend to watch the big board, and I can see a lot better. Uh, vantage point on uh, from the sidelines watching that and see what's going on up front then you can just watch it on the field but but uh, I don't think we played well enough up front just my first impression and that's not to pick on those guys because I don't think we played well enough in a lot of positions tonight yeah I was uh, just trying to you know kept it reset every time a lightning bolt comes down or whatever you, you go back to 30 minutes on the clock and so they kept resetting us over and over so we just kept them informed of what uh you know as the time would tick down and then and then uh, as we got to the point where we were pretty certain that that uh we were going to get through the 30 minutes without another delay then we started stretching and that type of stuff but for, for me personally i just told them to stay focused and, and keep their minds on the game and and uh they did a good job of that i think they did they did a really good job of that we hope for this week or next week, nine days from now, is would be ideal. How, how do you feel the uh, secondary fared? I mean, it seems like you got to be able to hold them a little bit. They yeah, they made some plays. Uh, quarterback completed too many balls, though. He was he was uh, nearly you know sixty five ish percent. Um, and so uh, we did come away with one interception on the tipped ball, the ball that hit off the helmet. Devin made a great play on that. But uh, we got to get better in the secondary. And that's not just them. It's the under coverage. There was a lot of times linebackers needed to give help to the secondary that we didn't do. But uh, we did make some nice plays. I thought Clark Phillips showed up and made some nice plays. Uh, JT Broughton recovered. He had, the guy had a couple steps on him. He recovered and made a play on that deep ball. Fabian Marks played and made a nice play on the deep ball in the second half. So there was a lot of good things, but uh, things that we can work on. You had a good goal line stand with four. We did. Stop. What was that like talking about the defense? Been no break, right? Well, it was a great goal line stand, but it's ridiculous. We allow a 20-play drive or whatever. It seemed like 20 plays. I don't know. How much was it? It was 
17 plays seemed like a million, but but uh, yeah, they ate up seven, eight minutes on the clock and kept the ball away from our offense, but it had a good ending because we were able to to uh, bow our necks and, and uh, get out of that, and that was, a, that was encouraging. As encouraging as that was, it was discouraging for our offense to get stuffed on the on the uh, one-half yard line when it was fourth and a half yard. How do you guys fix some of the red zone stuff that was going on today? I mean, you had two or three drives die inside the, I think, the 12 or 14. Yeah, something you just got to keep working on. And, and uh, we uh, actually were four for four. Well, not four for four because we don't count field goals as, as wins but in the red zone. But uh, we, we just got to – we work. it's not for a lack of work on it, I can tell you that. We, we pay a lot of attention to it during practice and, and work on it uh, a high percentage of the time. We just got to execute better. And, and uh, you know, we dropped one, like I said, that was going to be a touchdown. And – and uh, just need to get better. Well, we think Charlie's a real uh, capable quarterback. You saw Cam coming in and threw a couple good balls too, and, and uh, he's, a, he's a good player. But uh, we know we need to throw the football better. We need to throw it more productively, more efficiently uh, than we have, uh, well, certainly than we did last year. And not that we threw it bad in 19 and 18, because we were over 3,000 yards each season and, and led, uh, led the conference in several categories. I think completion percentage and yards per attempt and things like that. But, but if you want to be an elite team, you got to be able to throw the ball with uh, a lot of, uh, you know, just productivity and, and getting, uh, you know, getting, getting chunk yardage. It's hard to put together a 10, 12 play drive, five, six yards at a time. You're going to screw it up somewhere along the way. You got to get those big chunk plays, um, which usually occur in the throw game. Not always, but usually. How satisfying was it to see Cam, you know, come in, complete two passes? Throw score, just given the injury and just the road that he's traveled here. It's great to see, and, and great to see his attitude. All since Charlie's been named the starter, he's been nothing but a team guy, and and uh, great uh, work ethic, and prepares as if he's the starter. And that's how you're one play away, and so that's how you have to do it. And we got uh, no doubt that we have two really good quarterbacks, and we're fortunate for that. Devin Boyd had 12 tackles, an interception, four fumbles, uh, a sack. <laughs> Yep. How did you think your uh, your preseason all American play there? Just like he's supposed to. That's that's who he is. He's a big time player. He's a big he's a playmaker, and uh, he is uh, the leader of that defense. And he was productive tonight, just like we need him to be every single week. How how cool was it to see the uh, moment of, of loudness uh, for, for Ty Jordan? That was awesome. Yeah. Also to have that, that portal named after him. Yeah. Seen that logo, right? Yeah. It's just uh, you know I can't. You know, I, I, if I think about it too much, then I I I, uh, I don't do well. And so, but it was it was great. I thought the in, in game uh, recognition of Ty and and uh, the things that we have in place are were and his family was here as you saw, which was awesome for them to be able to be a part of that. Tell the players that uh, haven't experienced the BYU rivalry yet of what to expect this week. Well, most of them have. Well, I guess that's not a true statement now. There's probably half of them that have. And, uh, you know, we just got to prepare like we always do. And, and uh, you know, we uh, change the subject a little bit. We have When we have a pregame meal, we go by class and and uh, we said the freshmen over two-thirds of the room stood up you know to go eat and so we we got a lot of guys that haven't because we didn't play last year and so so we'll uh we'll educate them that uh you know what the 
what it's all about, and our our upperclassmen will educate them what it's all about, and and uh, we got to have a great week of practice because uh, right now, based on tonight, we're not good enough, and so we got to get better. He was there. He played, just was kind of quiet. And, uh, yeah, he was out there and needs to uh, – we need to get him involved because he's a heck of a good receiver. And then uh, Dalton seemed to have a, a pretty good night tonight. Dalton Kincaid is, I think, the best-kept secret in the Pac-12. I was saying that in, in camp, and I've said it uh, in several interviews, and I think you saw what tonight what he can what he can do. Tremendous athlete. Great size, speed for a tight end. I mean, he's the whole package. He's uh, he's a weapon for us, and uh, he continues to play like he did tonight. He'll get more and more touches and more and more uh, reps. There's Utah coach Kyle Whittingham. When we come back, Alex Brink, radio analyst for Washington State Cougar games. Utah State plays Washington State this weekend. Utah plays Washington State later this month in the conference opener. BYU plays Washington State next month. So we'll all learn about the Cougars together next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The new look Aggies hit the road to take on Washington State to kick off the Blake Anderson era in Logan. Catch all the play-by-play action beginning with the pregame show at 8. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is time now to talk Washington State football with Alex Brink. He's a Washington State football analyst on their broadcast. Alex joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. So, Alex, I'm curious, with Utah State coming up here in the opener, and then in late September, the Utes, and then in October, BYU, what is Washington State's shot at claiming the Utah State Championship? (laughs) I know, right? It feels like, uh, you know, we decided to hit everybody. We need to add Weber in there, right, to uh, get the the foursome going. (laughs) What I want to know is who's going to be the quarterback. A phenomenal question. To some degree, I you know I, I would like to know too, right? I mean, it's been cut down from four to three to two finally for the Cougs with uh, Jaden Delora, the freshman starter from last year, um, and then the tr- grad transfer from Tennessee, Jared Garantano. Um, and you've got two guys that I think honestly bring a little bit different uh, things to the fold. I think physically, Garantano is a little bit bigger. He's obviously more mature. Played a lot of football in the SEC for for University of Tennessee. Uh, he's been under the bright lights in you know some big time stadiums, big time ball games. Had his struggles, but to be fair, I mean it's not like Tennessee's been uh, burning down the doors when it comes to winning football games in general. And so I think he's been a, a little bit more of a, a product of that than uh, than anything else. So he's got a chance to kind of reinvent himself at Washington State, and then Delora. Had some flashes last year as a freshman. Um, this offseason got into some trouble and, and was suspended for most of the offseason. Missed spring ball, finally got back for fall camp. Uh, so he's a little bit behind the curve, in my opinion, as far as the development he needs to continue to be consistent. But, boy, is he electric. So I, I think Coach Rolovich and the staff keeping this one pretty close to the vest, kind of similar to what's happening at Utah State, right? And so we'll find out, obviously, when that first snap happens Saturday. But I wouldn't be surprised to see both guys at some point in that game. 
Cam Cooper is a Lehigh High School product here uh, in Utah, so a lot of people have followed him. Where did he come up short in the battle? I'll tell you what, you know, Cam, I've known for a long time since he came out of high school and, and was part of the Elite 11 competition that I helped coach in. And, um, you know, he, he ended up third on the depth chart. I think, in all honesty, he was a guy that was fighting a little bit of an uphill battle, particularly when Garantano came in. Uh, Cam got some snaps last year, you know, looked good at times. In the offseason, was getting reps because Delora was out. And then uh, Garantano comes in and obviously has some more experience. Uh, has that veteran presence and then kind of starts taking reps away from him. I think, you know, I think for Cam, I mean, he's a supremely physically gifted player and as a guy that, you know, the reps and all the things that come in practice, you know, for any quarterback, it used to be that if you sat till your junior or senior year, that was the norm, right? And now the expectation is everybody wants to play as a freshman or sophomore when the reality is that everybody develops on a different curve and I think Cam's coming along just fine and, and knowing him I mean, he's such a phenomenal kid um, he's going to be a productive member of that team all the way so last year was a screw year for everybody particularly Borgie you know an all-conference type back who only played in a couple games but the positive with him being out is McIntosh flourished so now you got two what I would consider really good running backs how are they going to fit into what Rolovich is trying to do offensively feels like you, know, you can have one, one A and one B when it comes to the running back options, which is great, right? In the run and shoot, um, there is a pass-heavy element to it, but it's significantly more balanced than, say, the air raid with Mike Leach. And so, you know, Max, well, that was the hope heading into last year was that Max Borgie was going to be able to do some of the heavy lifting because they didn't have a ton of time to install the offense and those sort of things. Then obviously Max got hurt. Uh, so you were more limited offensively, but it allowed a guy like McIntosh uh, to show what he could do, right? McIntosh went to Notre Dame out of high school, ended up transferring, coming to Washington State. So he's got great pedigree also. Those two guys uh, are both phenomenal downhill runners that attack the line of scrimmage and with a great offensive line like Washington State has, I mean, I really think this offense is going to lean run heavy, particularly early in the year with these quarterbacks as they get their feet underneath them uh, and rely on Borgia and McIntosh to, to carry the load. So I'm curious, it's great to have good running backs, but Washington State didn't, uh, under the previous staff, uh, the Pirate wasn't looking to run the ball, and that's a really different skill set. Has this O-line been rebuilt now to the point that it can push people around and run the ball? Well, one thing that's interesting about what Mike Leach and his staff did was they recruited uh, very well on the offensive line when it comes to the bodies and the athleticism that they wanted. And so although they were primarily a pass-first team, so you're obviously working more on pass-set schemes, there was enough run blocking. You had a couple, you had two really good offensive line coaches during the time uh, Mike Leach was at Washington State that were able to keep those guys pretty balanced from a fundamental standpoint. You look across that line, you know, Abe Lucas, at right tackle is the guy that gets the headlines. He'll be a first-day NFL draft pick for sure. But there's three or four other guys that have a chance to be all-conference and maybe a couple of them playing on Sundays also. Yeah, I would put Liam Ryan in that category too. Uh, and the offensive line has a lot of experience coming back, so I expect them to be pretty good. On the other side of the ball, I, got, I sort of got good news and bad news. I mean, they allowed over 460 yards and almost 40 points a game uh, last year, but they're returning almost everybody as a starter, which uh, just because they come back, it doesn't mean necessarily that they're good. Now, Jaw Woods 
I think he's a super senior, three-time All-Pac-12 there at linebacker. So obviously he's good. But how about the rest of the guys? Boy, it's a great point. I think you look at a roster that's loaded with, you know, kind of the the super seniors, as you say, and and redshirt seniors and redshirt juniors, then you'd like to think that, hey, this is a team that, is going to be defensively in the you know top third of the Pac-12, and obviously production-wise, last year they weren't that. And a couple of tough matchups when you talk about USC at USC, Utah at Utah. Uh, you know they had their struggles. They had they've had injury issues both the last two years. They've gone into the season with really quality depth and ended up losing some key pieces and then having to kind of force guys into action. A good example of that is last year on the defensive line, you lose a couple guys in camp, and Brennan Jackson emerges as probably one of your top pass rush threats for the year. But that's partially because Ron Stone Jr. did not play nearly as much. Now both those guys are back, right? So you've got a ton of depth, a lot of experience. The talent is there. I think the front seven, you alluded to the linebacking core, Jihad Woods, is as productive a linebacker in the country as you will find. Justice Rogers has been a starter for four years, former high school quarterback. I mean, there are two vets at the linebacker position, that quality depth on the defensive line. Your question marks are going to, become, going to come at the safety position. Really, new free safety, uh, Halid Jabril, who hasn't had a ton of time. Daniel Isom has kind of bounced back and forth between corner and strong safety, and he ultimately has settled into that strong safety role. So that's the question mark. Really the one to keep an eye on that I think uh, people would be surprised surprised to hear is the cornerback position is a position of strength for Washington State. Jalen Watson, number zero, is one of the most physically gifted corners in the country. He, he will absolutely play on Sundays. He's got a phenomenal story where he was committed to USC. It didn't work out. He ends up working at a Wendy's while going to junior college and not even playing football. And then Washington State is able to get him into school, get him recruited, and now he's one of the best players in the Pac-12. So him, uh, you know, having him out there on one side just walks down half the field. So if you're worried about depth then, is Washington State excited to have USC in the conference opener, which is the third game of the year, it looks like, and then the Utes in the fourth game of the year, right, the week right after? Right. You know, I think getting – I think there's two sides of it. You you play Utah State and then Portland State both at home. So you got to get off to a fast start for, for the Cougs if they want to ultimately look at competing in the Pac-12 North and then also going to a bowl game in Nick Rolovich's second year. Having USC that third game – you know, you get them in Pullman, which is great. Get them early. Hopefully the roster's healthy. You've had a couple games to kind of see where you're at and get some quality reps and maybe, uh, you know, kind of some of the feel good, hopefully. But I think that early season schedule could play into the hands of Washington State um, as they, you know, as they kind of go through this season. You know, the flip side is if a Utah State team, you know, that with a new coaching staff and kind of reinvigorated comes in and sneaks up on the Cougs, right, that starts a tough slide potentially as they go into the, that tough conversation schedule so leach has a lot of connections here you know he went to byu and he still has family here his brother i think his parents might even live here uh but uh as the thing worn on you know the, the, the one criticism i had of him is it seemed like you know when they won he got a ton of credit and when they lost he turned on the players and really ripped them and towards the end there, I know he got in that spat with the Spokane newspaper guy and calls him out at the end. And, of course, everything goes viral these days. Uh, was his time, did it need to come to an end? And how much of a breath of fresh air has Rolovich been? Well, I think, you know, with Mike Leach, the there was an element where, you know, kind of his persona and the way he approached 
you know, his program, you know, can wear on you, right? There's a lot of, there was a lot of uh, duplicity in the kind of the things that happened every year, right? You just saw it over and over again, like you're saying. Now he's kind of the, the genius behind it is the simplicity of the offense and the consistency in the, his schedule and routine. He gets players to buy into that. Um, but it also can rub people the wrong way, right? I mean, he's admittedly not a player's coach. I mean, that's just not, that's not his role. The, the assistant coaches kind of handle that piece of it. And so I do think to some degree that kind of starts to wear on you a little bit. I think from a program standpoint, um, you know, or from a program standpoint, Washington State was in a really good spot, but the question was, what was the next step? And, you know, for Mike Lee personally, he wants to show that he can do this at the highest level, right? So the next logical step for him was to go to the SEC, and Washington State was able to kind of fill the void with a, a coach that had a similar quirkiness, but more of a player's coach in Nick Rolovich, which was definitely, I think, a breath of fresh air and had a chance to kind of reinvigorate the program. And so, you know, I think I think for Coach Leach, you know, his time there was exactly what Washington State needed. And this next step with Nick Rolovich, he's had his, you know, heading into 2020, there was a lot of great things coming of it has had his struggles at times, obviously, and, and it'll be interesting to see how he manages that heading through into this season because um, if he wins the ball games, he's right back where uh, everybody thought he would be heading into 2020. But if things get rocky, then you start having conversations. So coaches will always tell you, let's not create any distractions here, guys. We need all the energy going one way, you know, focus on the next game and that. But the whole thing about, you know, him getting vaccinated or not, and then the governor issuing a mandate, it seemed like that was starting to turn into a distraction. They got that all tamped down. And are there any others if you're close to the program or are they focused on the next game, got everything rolling in one direction? You know, it it, it was one of those things that definitely um, created a a distraction heading into the season. I I think it was inevitable uh, if that was, you know, kind of coach's stance that that was going to come, that that train was going to come down the tracks at some point, and and, and it it did right around Pac 12 Media Day. Obviously, that conversation, you don't hear much of that currently because in the moment it's not an issue. If it becomes an issue, right, if if he can't coach because of a, you know, a contact trace or a positive test, you know, if they lose, they've got, you know, if there's a couple other coaches unvaccinated on staff and multiple coaches can't coach in a game and they lose that game, right, that, that becomes a distraction very quickly. And so I do think um, right now, not really an issue. If it comes up in the season, it could be a really big issue. And, and I think that's something Washington State really can't afford. I mean, they need to be able to focus on football, on the game. They need to be worried about the preparation and know that they have, you know, their full coaching staff at full strength and ready to go. So, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. It was a distraction in, in, in the short term. Um, right now, not a ton of conversation about it, but it's certainly something you're keeping an eye on all year. What's your personal expectation for this team this season? I mean, I believe this is a bowl team, particularly if they can get off to a fast start, um, like I alluded to earlier. Washington State under Mike Leach showed that you can be a consistent winning program on the Palouse. You know, if you have a good system and you recruit right and you develop players. Uh, He left a great roster for Nick Rolovich of talented athletes, a team that can win games, you know, throughout in the Pac-12 and, and up and down. And so the expectation is that this is a bowl team. And in some cases, if things go right, particularly from the quarterback position, you know, this could be a team that could win, I think, eight games, eight, nine games potentially. Um, but some of those question marks have to get answered early in the season. 
Well, I think clearly when you start counting up wins, they need the win against Utah State, and they could probably lose to the Utes and still keep some of those goals, you, or maybe even all those goals you talk about uh, intact. But with BYU October 23rd, does that shape up as a critical game, one of those must-have games to get where you want them to get and where you think they're capable of getting? Yeah, I sure think so. I mean, it's obviously kind of an interesting – the schedule piece is interesting, right? It's kind of middle of the season. It's not an opponent that historically Washington State has played. Um, you know, I think it's. I think that piece of it creates some intrigue. I think the timing of it, you know, like you're saying, kind of late October, um, you've got some get some uh, conference games under your belt. You're going to have to kind of figure – you know, you're going to really know who you are at that point. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it is a pivotal game, and I think it's one of those ones that, you know, for a program like BYU, they're always – looking when they're on the national stage against, you know, other power five programs uh, to make a statement. So I think Washington State's got to have that one circled for sure. So you say you think both quarterbacks are going to play. We'll see if that happens. With that in mind, how long do you think it'll take before a, a starter is established? I don't think it goes any longer than – the week two Portland State game. I mean, I think going into USC, you have to have your guy. Uh, I do think that, in my experience, having been in quarterback competitions, um, knowing coaching staff, like being in the rooms and being around them over the last, you know, 10 or 15 years, is that, you know, they have an idea of, of where they want to go with this thing. And if it can get confirmed in, in week one, then they'll put it to bed heading into week two so, so they can move on. I know, you know, as a, as a player, as a, as a non-quarterback, as a player on that roster, you want to know who the leader of that team is. And so you don't want to be going back and forth. And historically, you know, Rolovich isn't going to be a guy that's going to bounce back and forth between quarterbacks. He, he'll give two guys a shot, but then he's going to try and settle on a guy eventually. Um, so I would bet, you know, again, no later than week two, they get this thing figured out heading into that USC week. Well, Alex, we appreciate a few minutes, and uh, given the way the schedule works, uh, I hope you don't mind us bothering you again multiple times later this season. Sure, would love to. Happy to do it. Thanks, guys. Alex Brink, he is the Washington State football analyst on their broadcast, and Washington State opens with Utah State, 17.5-point favorite. They've got the Utes for Game 4, and then October 23rd, they got BYU, so we will be seeing a lot of the Washington State Cougars. And you listen to him talk, PK, does eight wins sound a little high end for them? On the surface, yes. But it's the Pac-12, so you never know because the middle of the league is so squishy, stuff could break your way. So it's not outrageous, even if it's a reach. Well, yeah, and they get uh, two very much winnable ball games. I expect that they'll have a good shot to go 2-0. and But then they get the top two teams in the South right off the bat, SC and Utah, uh, they play four ranked teams as of now anyway. Uh, we'll see what happens at the time. And they get two of them right off the bat. So they could very well be 0-2 in the conference season, which, you know, that's tough to come back from. So we'll see. The, you know, try, the end of their schedule is Oregon and Washington, two more ranked teams. But it's also Arizona, which I think we all figure should be a W. So that means that five-game stretch in the middle, which includes BYU, is everything. Yeah, I think I said they get four. I forgot about ASU sneaking in there at 25. So they actually get, they have five ranked teams, which is five out of the conference right now. The point I was making is they they don't get Arizona to start or something or Oregon State to start. You know what I mean? They get two of the yeah. tougher teams right off the bat. 
and that could demoralize you a little bit. I think it's for them to get eight. I think they absolutely have to come out of September at two and two. If they don't, there's no way they're getting eight. I would be stunned. Right. right. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, it's always not just who you play, who do you miss, and they're missing UCLA, and they're missing Colorado. That doesn't really break their way. but uh, Yeah, probably, but they get Arizona. They do get Arizona. So you'd rather have Arizona uh, than uh, either of those two teams, I think. Uh, and, you know, Oregon State is kind of a, still in a rebuild mold. Uh, Cal... Not sure what to make Cal. I think Cal could be good. I think I, I put Cal and the Bruins sort of in the same category. They've they haven't won big, but they got experienced quarterbacks. Coaches have been there for a little bit, and we know with Wilcox, he always has a good defenses. Can the offense catch up? I've always said Cal should have had co coaches, kept Sonny Dykes, and have him coach the offense, and Wilcox coach the defense because that's their specialties. And ironically enough, they've been very good at both of the those coaches. Their offenses have been good, and then with Wilcox, the defense has been good. So that could possibly be a toss up game, and and really, you know, anything in this conference in any given particular game might be a, a, a toss-up. But to see them getting eight, probably on the high side. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, what is trending? The headlines are on the way.